Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Bray. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects mental health resources to people who have experienced the trauma of an SCI diagnosis. To support our efforts and support the expansion of resources, you can donate at www.spfpp.org today. The podcast features the experiences of people who are, in fact, living with STIs, primarily herpes, and that's the bulk of what this is, but they talk about all of their experiences from their diagnosis to disclosure, and we get to see all of the things that happen around the statistics that were shown every year in terms of how many people have an STI or herpes and all of that, and through these stories, we really find ways to navigate solutions and for the people who are impacted directly by SCI stigma to discover different ways to navigate stigma. All right, so today, um, like I said, I don't have to say your name. Um, We're also doing a live recording. No one can see you except for me. So I see you. They see the back of my laptop. Um, I just want to see what this how this works out. So this will be interesting. I'm excited because I've invested in (laughs) something positive for positive people. Like, as people can see, I'm still recording on my phone and with my nine-year-old Chromebook or however old it is. Um, but I got a ring light. I got a new iPhone, and that's what the video's for. And then I have a podcast mic at home that hooks up to what might have to be a newer computer. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'd rather keep this here, but uh, it is what it is. So you reached out to me this morning, actually. Uh, I woke up, I was still hungover. I went to a wedding last night and it was uh, it was a good time. Um, but your message was worth reaching out directly to you. And then when we started talking, it was like, hey, what are you doing for the next hour? And you had time to record a podcast. So that's just how quick of a turnaround these things can be. But uh, yeah, uh, you want to just go ahead and get started with what made you reach out and what you said and everything, and then we'll just go into the conversation from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, I'm definitely glad that my story caught your interest enough for you to reach out and talk about it. Um, so I feel like my situation is a little bit unique compared to most, you know? So I was diagnosed a couple of years ago, and... A little while after my diagnosis, you know, I have disclosed to a couple different guys and I, the man that I'm in a relationship with, we've been in a relationship for about two years. He was accepting. He's a very, very nice guy and he was accepting. We, we started a relationship and within, I mean, a few months had passed after the relationship was official and we were having sex all the time and then it kind of just slowly was stopping and sometimes when we had sex like you know I could tell he was kind of on edge or like scared I guess so I would start to feel a little bad about myself and self-conscious and then eventually it had, you know a month would go by no sex couple months still no sex eventually we got to a year without sex wait 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 wait, we've wait. Been so you got to a year of no sex. Were there any points in the relationship where you communicated with him that you wanted more sex? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What did he say? So, there, um, well, so there had been a couple times that, like, you know, I communicated, obviously, how I felt. You know, I already felt bad about, you know, having herpes, of course, and the fact that, like, he, you know, he didn't, of course, and I was doing anything I could to make him feel more comfortable when we did have sex, and... So when I communicated, I made it a point to share how it made me feel that we never had sex and that, you know, he was never really trying to ever be sexual or, like, touch me or anything like that. And he always kind of just said, like, it's not you. I don't really know. Like, there was never necessarily a real reason and we kind of just always blew it off and I guess I got to a point where I was like okay like whatever um I don't know maybe that's on me but yeah we just we got to a point where we stopped caring we both kind of stopped trying so he never tried to have sex I never tried to have sex so at some point that 
that intimacy and that sexual desire just kind of went away. So now, you know, half of our relationship has gone by with zero intimacy, um, any type of sex, and... Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I did something. I did something wrong. I shouldn't have done that. You said <laughs> your relationship's gone by uh, with zero type of sex, and then I couldn't hear you anymore. Um, and just like that has been a huge issue, you know? Mm-hmm. That's half our relationship with no intimacy. So, obviously there's other issues with just emotional, too, because with no intimacy, they feel like our emotions are kind of drifting away too because that's a huge part of relationship with the connections and all that Mm -hmm. so basically after having a lot of these conversations one of our conversations led to him finally um telling me that he has been having like erectile dysfunction so when we first started dating he had been taking steroids actually so you know that affected him and i guess those first few months that we were having sex a lot he was always having to take something so that he could um stay hard i guess something similar to viagra you know so he showed me that he had had them he like i believe him completely like it's a true story and he was just too scared to tell me, basically. So, wait, did you know? Finally, did te- did you know he was on steroids? Um, I didn't know he had been taking them while we were dating in those first few months, but I think I knew beforehand because, like, he was pretty like muscular, I guess, before like when I met him. But he stopped a couple months into our relationship, and you could tell too because he used to be like a gym rat, and then he stopped completely. So his body changed, but he was too scared to tell me about his issue, and he just kind of always played it off, and it kind of just fell on me and how I saw myself, which that took a big toll. And so when he did finally admit that to me, I through so much resentment because I was like, you have no idea all the feelings that I have felt like in trying to have sex and not having sex, like everything I deal with just like personally by myself in my head. And that just like added on so much. And he didn't really have anything to add on. It was really just on him being too scared to tell me. He's very bad at communicating, unfortunately, so that was really it. Yeah. Um, did you feel any sort of, like, like way about him having to take Viagra at all? Uh, and what I mean by that is, did you feel like maybe you weren't turning him on, so it's like, oh, I'm not attractive because you have to use Viagra in order to be turned on by me so that we can have sex. Were feelings, uh, were those kinds of feelings coming up for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's always been a thing. And, you know, he has kind of made it in a conversation before that, like, and the best way to say it is, like, he's kind of said, well, you don't try hard enough to, like, be sexy or, like, try and turn me on enough. And kind of, that's really bad like, really bad when you say it out loud, and so, obviously, like, that hurt, too, I was like, well, like, you don't make me feel sexy, so I don't want to be sexy for you, so, that, you know. (laughs) Yeah, well, did you ever, like, throughout your relationship not feeling sexy, do you find that you were expressing your sexiness in other ways, or to other people, or perhaps seeking the attention and affection that you wanted from him, in other ways from others? Um, I would say in a way, yes. Like, not really in a, um, unloyal way, but, you know, if I were to receive some type of attention from other guys, I appreciated it completely because I wasn't really getting that in my relationship. You know, if a guy flirted with me or, like, told me I look good or anything along those lines, I... I felt it, like, more than 
a normal girl probably would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in complimenting women, I guess in this particular type of situation, uh, what's like positive feedback to look for? Because you're in a relationship. I imagine, you know, if you're being complimented by other guys, there's perhaps an expectation of, hey, let's exchange numbers. Hey, let me take you out. Like, how do you accept and receive the compliment without it um, violating any boundaries of your relationship that you're in? Uh, that's a tough question, actually. Um, I don't necessarily think I ever, like, accepted any numbers or anything like that. It was more along the lines of, like, people I would see every day or friends that I already had, um, you know, like, friends on social media, like Snapchat or Instagram or anything like that. So, say I would, like, post a picture of myself, then they would just you know, react to it and say... Send oh, that fire emoji. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, the fire emoji, your hard eyes, <laughs> something. And I would, you know, I would... It's something that would just, like, make me smirk or smile a little bit. And that was enough to get me feeling good for a second. Mm. Or guys that I work with, like, every day. I'd come in and they'd just be like you know, I don't know, you look good, or like, damn girl, something random like that. <laughs> like, any type of just little bit of attention, because, like, I love my boyfriend, like, he's great, and like, very affectionate and loving in that way, but, like, even just like, telling me I look beautiful if I like, get dressed up for a nice dinner or something, it's rare. So, that's what, I never really, like, some people have told me, like, oh, well, that, like, he's probably, you know, seeing another girl or, like, sleeping with another girl or something like that. And I really never felt that from him or had that idea in my head. So, yeah, I don't really think it's that. He, you know, okay. he's got his own issues. Uh, I'm curious to know, you've been in a relationship for two years, so almost half of your relationship has been during the pandemic. Did you ever feel like maybe that had something to do with, um, well, when, when did he tell you about his erectile dysfunction? Let me ask you that. Um, we were probably at about, it was during the pandemic, I think, actually. We were, we had probably hit like seven or eight months with no sex, six, six to eight months with no sex, and I was just over it, so mm. we had like a huge like blow up type of conversation and that's when he finally like told me ah okay and that was my next question like what made him finally tell you and then even in having that conversation seems like he tried to put it back on you you know yeah i'll take viagra but you don't try like how do you what was your response to that well the you don't try thing he had actually kind of said that before in like our previous conversations about having sex because like I mean, I'm a freaking, like, weird OCD person. Like, sometimes being touched a certain way is just, like, uncomfortable or annoying to me. And he took it the wrong way early in our relationship. He's like, if you keep, like, you know, pushing me away like that, I'm going to stop wanting to try. Which I understand. But he, he had it more in his head of, like, like, now you have to try if we ever want to be sexual. Because, like, I don't want to anymore. So that was his thing on it. Okay. All right. And then what did your advances or what did your effort look like in terms of trying to initiate sex? Because I think that a lot of people don't really know how to go about initiating it. Um, You know, herpes aside, I think that this is just like a general thing. You know, a question that can come up is what does trying look like? At what point are you trying too hard and not trying hard enough? So do you have any examples that you're comfortable with sharing here? simplest things like like personally i sleep naked every night that's just how it is you did the little the little butt rub thing where you you're on your side you just start rubbing up against them easiest thing and like as a girl in my experience you're fucking naked in front of a guy they're ready to have sex like basically so yeah we're in a relationship and comfortable with each other's bodies but you know i'm sleeping naked next to you every night and like you never want to have sex like I don't know, that was just the biggest weird thing for me at first, but then of course I would try more, you know, um, yes, the butt rub, whatever, yeah. um, 
cuddling and then even just trying to like touch him a little bit, kiss on him. Um, you know, neck kissing is like an easy way to turn somebody on like that. Um, didn't really do anything. Um, or was he just like tired? Like, like does he work all day I, and come home and is just like wanting to go to sleep? I mean, he, I think he had, he worked a lot, but I feel like it wasn't even that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not making excuses at all by any means. I'm just like throwing these kinds of things out there as thoughts that people would generally have yeah. about what's happening here. Um, and throughout all of this, the whole time for the seven months that you weren't sexually active, you were thinking, oh my God, this is because I have herpes and he doesn't want to get herpes. Well, yeah, completely. Like, and one example um, specifically is like, there was a time where we were having sex and, you know, like switching positions up, whatever. I tried to get on top of him and like, he was just very sketched out by it. And like, I could see it on his face. I could see it in how he acted. And like, I started getting emotional. I was like, like, this is awful, basically. It's like a vulnerable and, thing, too, though, because, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, what kind of sex, uh, you know, you might be used to having, but, like, with more manly men, I guess, uh, there's kind of like the sense of dominance. So if he was on steroids and then, you know, being big and muscular, having to, for whatever reason, stopping to take the steroids, that might have also done something to him in terms of, like, his masculinity or his manliness, right? To now feeling a need to assert dominance, and now, like, you getting on top, you become the dominant person in a sense, and perhaps that was one way for him to be in his head about it. Yeah, and I always try and consider that, like, think about that, you know, as far as his masculinity and, like, the fact that he was on steroids and the dominant thing, but I try and give him that benefit of the doubt, but it's still, you know, we had talked about it a lot when we were having sex and like, I always, you know, told him a ridiculous amount of ways that we could be safer. And he had, of course he had a scare and he got tested quite a few times and he still like has been fine. Mm -hmm. But I guess I, got to the point where I felt like, oh, he's, he just doesn't want to risk it anymore. You know, he doesn't want to continue having sex and continue putting himself at risk. And that's where I kind of ended it. Okay. What did sex look like while you were having sex and he was on steroids? And now I'm interested in the steroids piece more than anything. Like what did sex look like right. while he was on steroids versus, you know, when he was beginning to get off of them? Like, was there a difference in the energy or perhaps the like, the passion or the aggression even, was there a difference at all? So I think that just because I didn't know he was really on steroids or coming off of steroids, I wouldn't say that I noticed a huge difference just because I didn't know. Um, but I would say like when we were having sex, it, I mean, he was into it for sure. But I think from the way that, like, we had sex compared to how each other would have sex probably with somebody else, like, it was different. We, it wasn't as fun, if I could say it like that. Like, I think that even him being on steroids and, like, able to have sex, wanting to have sex, I think he still just wasn't into it as much because of that being in the back of his mind. It's kind of always how it seemed. Um, one thing that kind of really always bugged me is he did this thing after he had sex and he would literally like wipe himself off with alcohol wipes that made me feel really bad about myself all right i see going to like wash your dick off in the sink with soap and water <laughs> not alcohol wipes though like soap and water yeah. soap and water does a trick like because i've done that even when i'd have sex with a new person for the first time or even if i after i have sex like just go wash my dick off, right? Uh, not so much now, but, like, I'd go pee afterwards. Uh, but oh, if yeah. it's, like, messy, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the alcohol wipes was excessive. That was um, something that I kind of had to really get used to. Like, and... legit alcohol wipes? Like, would y'all have sex again before he, like, soap and water showered or wiped off? Because that can be no, irritating. So, okay, boom, y'all pass out, y'all have sex, y'all, uh, he goes and wipes off with rubbing alcohol, or I'm sorry, alcohol wipes, y'all both pass out, wake up, 
if morning sex is on the table, like the alcohol wipe residue is still on his junk. Probably not. I think that he would at least, you know, like go to the bathroom or something, wash it later on after that. Oh, but just to like keep himself from having to, you know, go shower or something at the end of the night, like he would just they make like sanitation wise if he's still doing that like make that suggestion that there's like much more lady part friendly wipes that he'd be able to use well, if we have sex again, yeah I definitely will <laughs> alright alright so let's let's get back to the, <laughs> the ED stuff then so um he tells you this like where are y'all now have y'all discussed um alternatives to the relationship cause I know you said you're like kinda something I guess like um yeah working on yourselves and kind of together maybe kind of not like is he allowing you to get sex outside the relationship is he seeing someone about his erectile dysfunction where y'all at he has gone to the doctor um about his erectile dysfunction he has talked to them about it you know he got his testosterone levels tested and all of that to see where he was at and basically the doctor told him like this will go away over time like you can you know do something about it I think there's like shots or something you can get in your some I don't remember specifically but basically he knows somebody who had that issue and the person was affected negatively by the treatments that they did for it so I told him I was like honestly I would not do it like I'm a pretty holistic person so like I will always take the natural way over anything so I told him, you know, try natural supplements, anything that might boost your levels a little bit, just try it. And he had some supplements that, like, his friend who works in the wellness department gave him for that specifically. And they sat on his bathroom counter for months untouched. So that, I was like, do you literally don't care, do you? So... And then in our final, like, breakup conversation recently, like, it was, of course, a conversation again, and I was upset bringing up how we don't have sex, and he literally told me, he's like, it does not bother me as much as it bothers you. Like, it makes me, like, mad, obviously, that we don't have sex, but he's like, I, like, it doesn't, like, I don't freak out about it the way you do, and I'm like, it's, like, it's your fault I forgot about it. <laughs> um, so now... Yeah, I think that he had considered, or he had suggested going and, like, I guess talking to, like, a sex therapist or something like that about it, because we we discussed trying to have sex again, but at this point, after a year, like, that will be so hard. We, like, our sexual desire, like, literally just is not there for each other anymore. So... It would be a process, I think, to get there again. Um, but it's on the table, I guess. Sex, I, sex with each other's on the table. Yeah, like okay. if if we could get ourselves to that point, like yes, we could. Okay. <laughs> All right, there's a lot there. <laughs> the main thing being, uh, well, let me get this out of the way. Does he masturbate still? I mean, I know that he had been, like, you know, watching porn, of course, like that. And I, before, months ago, he had told me that, yes, he still did, like, basically every day. But with the, the like, erectile dysfunction issues he had, he told me, you know, if he ever is able to get to that point, like, to come, it literally hurts him. It hurts? Um, like, yeah, like, that's, like, some, some medical thing with it, like, it literally hurts. Damn, I really want to investigate like this steroid thing because like, yeah, that seems like to really himself. say that again. I'm sorry. Uh, he he just fucked himself up basically, like with with taking steroids or whatever else he took. Um, Damn. Hey, if he's open to talking, can you like give him my Instagram or something? Like, I I'm genuinely curious, uh, and I'd like to connect him with uh, Cam Fraser because I think that what his story is, is something that perhaps men need to hear. And I think Cam has a much more, um, reasonable platform for that. But like, I just want to, yeah. I, I just want to sit in on the conversation, to be honest. 
it's it's interesting. I will say it is yeah. an interesting um, scenario. And if I could get him to open up more about it, I will absolutely send him your way. <laughs> All right. Um, you said Drop. you disclosed to a few men, though, right? You disclosed a few times. Let me say that. I Was, mean, I want to say before him, it was probably two. Okay. How'd those go? So, um, the first one was a guy that I had started talking to. Um, I think we met on Bumble, honestly, and we talked for a little bit. We're hanging out and I, you know, obviously tried to have sex after a few dates and I finally, like I told him, like I disclosed, I said, like, look, this is why, you know, I've been hesitant to have sex. This is why blah, blah, blah. And he was very, very understanding, very appreciative that I was honest. He said that he did everything right. Um, he said, I don't think any differently of you. Um, I'd still like to keep hanging out with you. And so we, we still hung out. Went well, he didn't think differently. He asked questions. He, I was open about it. He was open about it. And we ended up having sex and he, he wasn't like very nervous. He seemed fine. And then I'd say maybe a week after I was out of town and he called me while I was out of town and like, he thought he had gotten it and he was like, I don't want you to freak out. Like, don't feel bad. I took the risk. He's like, I'm going to go to the doctor and get tested. And it was nothing. He was fine. He got tested twice, actually. Like, after a few weeks, he got tested again, just to be sure. And we ended up just not working out, basically. Stopped talking. But I appreciated how understanding he was. Yeah. Like, he was great about it. I just knew you were um, going to say the sex yeah. was bad. Sorry? I just knew you were going to say the sex was bad because of your hesitance after like, well, we finally, we tried to have sex and then we finally had sex and there was just this buildup of disappointment that I was expecting to follow up. So, all right, all right. Um, no, like, sex was fine. It was good. Like, it, um, it wasn't crazy. I mean, like, he obviously felt comfortable, more comfortable himself in just like one position which was fine i was like whatever we're having sex it's fine <laughs> um was um, this when you say one position like he felt more comfortable um like doing doggy style basically than anything else because he wasn't exactly in a lot of contact i guess in his head i mean i guess kind of that makes more sense so was that but... comfortable for you though like that seems very I mean, void I, of intimacy. It, it was okay. I think at the time, like, it was not a big deal to me. I didn't care. Um, I didn't feel upset about it at all. I was like, you know, if that, like, whatever you are more comfortable with, yeah. I don't know, man. I'd have been mad. Yeah. I'd have been like, listen, you're not finna just fuck me um, one way. <laughs> I think that at that time, in my head, too, like, it was still kind of new to me. And, like I said, he was the first guy that I had disclosed to. And I I think that in my head, too, like, I, I thought the same thing. I thought that, you know, this is the least contact. This is the way you can be the safest. So it was in my head, too. I interviewed someone who uh, their partner, they're married now, and they don't do this anymore, but he put, like, plastic wrap around like their genitals uh reynolds wrap reynolds wrap or plastic wrap i forget saran wrap that or, one on like their pubic area like, yeah all mm -hmm. okay and i mean i used to have sex with my underwear on and just put the condom on there so it was just like no That's skin contact one of the ways that i mentioned like to my uh boyfriend now that when we were having sex like one of the safe ways i told him to keep it more comfortable, I was like, you can literally just keep your boxers on and put a condom on, and, like, you're literally covered. So that was one thing I always, like, reiterated. I was like, you will be safe, mm -hmm. basically. <clears throat> yeah. And I guess that didn't work. <laughs> All right, so seven months, no sex. Like, how is this affecting the relationship? You say you still love them, and it seems like, like, I, sex is important to P 
people in relationships. Maybe not everyone, but like almost feel like you're really compromising who you are and what your needs are to stay in this relationship. Um, yeah, you could say that. So I would say that we are at a point in our relationship where we both know and we have both acknowledged that we are not the person for each other. But it's... I'm not judging. I'm intrigued. (laughs) No, it's, it's something that we both know because we've talked about it. And we are good as friends, which, you know, everybody says that, but... We are. We're, we would be way better as friends than trying to be in a, this forced relationship, basically. It's the best way to put it. So we've acknowledged that. We've accepted it. And right now, I think we're kind of just slowly letting it die. <laughs> but as friends. Because he has his own support through, like I said. And he has been actively like going to like church groups and hanging out with all these people that he wants to inspire him and help him be motivated in life because he is he's 30 years old and he always has this mindset where How he old feels are you? like he has weight I'm 24 okay so he has this mindset where he has you know, wasted his life, and he's surrounded by not good people all his life, so he's trying for himself to surround himself with better people and be motivated more in life, which is awesome for him, and he has actively been doing that, so he's actively working on himself, and I need to get there, too. (laughs) Hmm. So what are you doing to work on yourself? Like, is he encouraging, has he encouraged you to do that for yourself? Or was this something that, you know, you've been thinking about? He's also tried, even throughout a relationship, to help me um, through my issues, too. Like, he, for example, like, one hobby that I used to always have was, like, photography. He bought me a bunch of equipment, like, last Christmas, trying to get me more into it, to try and motivate me more. And I just, I didn't feel it. I wasn't into it. So he bought me all this stuff and then he just kind of got discouraged. He's like, I'm trying so hard to like help you be motivated and try and like help you do things to make you happy. And it's just not working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, like I, it's more stuff that I need to talk through than just kind of distract myself from. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're getting anything out of this relationship? Because you're still in this relationship. Like, if another guy were to ask you for your number, would you, out of commitment and obligation to your partner, not accept that potential uh, advance? Or would you accept it with the understanding that this relationship is, it's hit its peak and you're just pulling away from each other? Yeah, so now, at this point in our relationship, I think that um, I would. I would accept, you know, a number or a date or something like that probably from another guy because I've said the words, like, we're done to him. Like, it's been said. We are just still connected and have the... Do y'all live together? We don't live together, no. Y'all work together? What? Do y'all work together? No. So we live literally, like, two minutes down the street from each other, which is why we see each other all the time. Um, but, you know, I have my life, he has his. So, we, we talk and we see each other, but we're not mm-hmm. necessarily in that relationship anymore is where we're at. Hmm. So. Is there any I, comfort, I is there any comfort that you get out of being in the relationship or being able to say you have a partner, you have a boyfriend that you may be a little afraid of letting go of and cutting ties with now? Um, yeah, for sure, probably. And I think that's like a deeper, like, um, probably like a abandonment issue type of thing that I have tried to relate on before. 
people told me about. So I I would say, yeah, I my ex-boyfriend, um, my first boyfriend, I was actually with for close to seven years. And I think that was a big thing. I was afraid to break that comfort, that, you know, that connection. So it's just so, like who you are in a relationship, you like that person more than who you are when you're not in a relationship. Or is there just like your identity uh, as so-and-so's partner is more desirable or more comfortable even than your own identity as just you? In a way, I could say, yeah. Like, I feel like I feel... Hey, listen, you do not have to agree with me. You can disagree and say whatever it is. Like, you can be like, Courtney, that shit don't make sense. No. No, you're making valid points that I probably would never have thought of on my own. So, I think that, yes, um, that makes a lot of sense. That I probably feel better about myself. Feeling like I am, like, needed, I guess, for him, in a way. So... I think that in a sense, yeah, it gives me like a better self, um, like sense of identity, just being there, but not that there's anything wrong with like me just as myself. I still feel good about that too. Um, I guess just the comfort, like I, I like comfort. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the comfort of like that friendship that we have and that connection we have. So you value your comfort over having sex. <laughs> I mean, you want to put it that way. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like judging at all. I just want to make you think because sometimes it takes for us to either hear it or for us to say it ourselves out loud to be like, what the fuck am I doing? Right? Um, and I mean, I can use myself as an example. Like, I've been in relationships where I've just gotten comfortable. And in the comfort of these relationships, lost my own identity. So that's why I'm really able to ask these questions in a way that probably are making you go, fuck, I didn't think about that. Because these were things that I didn't ever think about until, like, hindsight. Like, you don't really recognize it in yourself until you see it in other people. And then someone's, that other person's like, no, actually, you do that too. And you're like, oh, my mind's blown. But... I don't know. I couldn't do. I can't do no sex relationship. At least not at this point in my life. Perhaps that's something later. Like I have relationships. I have uh, very, very strong emotional connections and relationships to uh, women. And like I always say, like, hey, you got girlfriend privileges. And what I mean by that is, like, you have me. Like I have blank to offer. And I'm choosing to offer that to you because I value the reciproca- the reciprocity, the reciprocity of uh, our, our exchanges in our relationship. So, like, I don't have to have sex in those relationships, but I also have, like, uh, sex is a, a need of mine, wherever it is and I'm getting it from. However it is, I'm getting it from. So, like, I can speak from that angle and, like, I know how I am when I'm not having sex and I don't like that person. <laughs> so I don't know if you got that experience at all, but that's just something uh, to highlight here. And I mean, if you're someone who doesn't want to have sex, or you're okay being in a relationship that is sexless, like no judgment, you know. Um, but it's a matter of really being true to yourself, being honest with yourself about what your needs are, and having the ability to meet them. So that's definitely a conversation we've had, too. Like, he's even mentioned before, like, you know, there are couples who literally, like, they don't have sex till marriage, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, yes, that is a thing, but that is something you talk about at the beginning of the relationship. I was like, that's not a thing in this relationship, and I personally am not that person. So it's not... Like, having no sex in a relationship is not how is this is going to be. <laughs> like, so, I mean, that's literally the, the biggest issue of breaking up. I was just like, I literally just need to have sex. That's all. Yeah. Um, so, he can do... Yeah. <laughs> all right, so wait. If you get sex in this relationship, you're good. Like, that's how good the relationship is to where... No. You, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Definitely uh, not. Like... 
Well, not all there is. Oh, I thought you were going to say more. Okay. Uh, we didn't even talk about your diagnosis. So how'd you come across your first symptoms? Um, so it's actually um, interesting. One of my best friends was diagnosed a couple months, maybe before me. It was either a couple months or a couple weeks. Like, honestly, very, very close. And I used to, some reason, think that I got it from her. Like, just because of the coincidence. <laughs> Wait, and you like, got oh, genital, sure. you got yeah, genital got HSV, right? I'm sorry? You have genital HSV? Yes. One or two? Two. Okay. Two. And you thought you got it from your best friend? Yeah. Who you didn't have I... sex with? So it was, uh, so, when, whenever you go in with symptoms, they treat you immediately for chlamydia and gonorrhea. So it's, uh, oh, okay. sometimes it's a shot. And then depending on where you go, like four little orange pink pills. Okay. So maybe, um, that's what that was. But yeah, at the time I like, I really didn't believe him. I was like, how, so, cause I got tested then again and, um, my doctor called me and was just like, Yep, you have herpes, just wear condoms, basically. Like, that's literally all she said to me. So, I was, of course, like, a mess. And I just didn't understand how I had it and he didn't. Because he wouldn't tell me. And I told him I was... I was all about, like, where is this from? Like, how did I get this? And he... I asked him, like, who have you had sex with? Like, where the fuck... (laughs) it's wrong and he still like he wouldn't say that he had it he didn't say anything he was just there and then I had a advantage I had a connection I was very close with his uncle so his uncle and I like talked a lot about our like my relationship with his nephew and than him and his relationship, we were close in age. So he told me, he said, like, um, he has it. Like, you can't tell him that I told you anything, but he went to the doctor, dropped his pants, and the doctor told him, you have herpes. And so, like, I... I don't know if I'm more shocked that his... I don't know if I'm more shocked that his uncle out here snitching or at the fact that he, I mean, just completely denied, denied, denied it. Oh, his uncle likes you. You know that, right? Alright. That's another story, B. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that's the only reason he told me. You know, he would tell me a lot of the stuff that I found out because 
he saw the way my ex treated me. Like, he treated me like shit. And he felt very, very bad for me. Because, like, I, like, I'm a nice girl. <laughs> I'm a very nice girl. And he treated me badly. So he would tell me. And that's what he told me. Because um, I was on the phone with him. And I was just, I was literally, like, crying. I was like, I have herpes. Like, um, and he was like, do not have sex with him again. Like, the doctor told him he had it. And he's like, he was literally crying to me. Like, how am I going to tell her? And he never told me. So, mm. yeah, here we are, like, years later, and he still never admitted to me. Damn, man, and you can't tell him you know. Damn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, so my um, initial outbreak, it was pretty bad. It was, it was scary, honestly. It was... Um, painful it hurt a lot to it hurt a lot to pee for sure showering was also uncomfortable i think and you know i was like bartending waitressing at the time so it was hard i was just like i gotta fucking go to work and thankfully i had my friend as like a resource who had just gotten it too and she was just like, oh my, she was kind of like excited to like tell me how to treat it. She was excited to help me, if that makes sense. So she told me to, for any girls that like want to use this for their first outbreak, um, she told me to take like a, a period pad and like put coconut oil on it and it would like soothe the outbreak like while I'm wearing it. So I tried it. When I went to work, I did that and I don't really know that it did that much, but I'd say my out outbreak lasted like a week or two until it was officially healed. But after that, did you get medication? One of the outbreaks. Um. Valcyclovir I or Valtrex or acyclovir. I don't know that I got it right away. Okay. Um, but I did. I did end up getting it, but. Because I know you, you like the more to... holistic thing for yeah. yourself. So, I think I wanted to just kind of, like, see how it was on its own first. Like, see if I could deal with it, I guess. And, yeah, I was like, now I'm getting medicine. <laughs> but I got the medicine, I guess, like, too late. Because I guess you're supposed to get it within 72 hours at first. Or, like, start taking it for it to be most effective. That's I what I read that. or heard. I don't know. I read it somewhere that, like... It don't take it within 72 hours of, like, your outbreak that, like, it's really not very effective. I don't know if that's true, but um, I started maybe be, like, a few days after my outbreak that I started it. And after that, like, I was getting them frequently, which sucked. Like, literally every month I probably had one, even though it wasn't bad. Um, it was just annoying more than anything. Yeah. Alright, so you had your first outbreak and that was the only one you said? Um, the only bad one. Oh, the only bad one. So what do you do when you get outbreaks now? Like, what do outbreaks look like for you now? <clears throat> very, very mild. Like, it's almost comparable to, like, an ingrown hair. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, one or two bumps and, um, it's not... A big issue. I'd say, like, there's an itch here or there. Yeah. That's about it. Like, it really, most of the time, I don't even know it's there. Okay. Um, so, thankfully, like, it's not much. It's just an annoyance. Okay. Knowing that it's... Yeah. All right, so, um, you, I, I, we're, we're at the end of our time. Um. Yeah. I guess you reached out on Instagram. Did you get your question answered, or were you just sharing? I didn't even think to ask. Like, was was I supposed to be asking you something? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I guess I just was sharing more than anything, just because like it was such a unique um, situation. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate your willingness to record this podcast. Like our first conversation, uh, the way you talk about it is just so calm and like you're at a good place with it. So um, I appreciate you contributing here 
to giving people different ways of choosing how to navigate stigma and sharing your story and how relatable it is as well. Um, I think that this is something that really touches home on the importance of us being able to assert our boundaries and uphold our boundaries and then have communication and relationships um, and really be able to take care of ourselves as well um, and communicate our needs. Like you have needs and if those needs aren't being met, understanding how to further navigate that. So um, it sounds like you're doing what you need to do in order to take care of yourself. So I am very appreciative of you sharing space with me for this podcast. Is there anything before I let you go that you want to leave people with if they're listening? Um, Well, for you, I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And for anybody else, honestly, like in a new relationship, like with the diagnosis, like just communicate like that is the biggest thing and it's okay to leave like just because somebody has accepted you doesn't mean another person won't and I think that's like the biggest thing that people need to um accept is you know just because one person is accepting you does not mean you have to like stay with them forever basically so yeah just communicate (laughs) all right um, and again, you know, thanks for your time. Uh, I, I guess you had to go put like clothes on or something real quick too. So I appreciate you doing that so that we can have this interview, uh, breaking your comfort and all of that. So that concludes this episode of something positive for positive people. Please like rate review, subscribe to share, and you can donate to something positive for positive people. We're a 501 C three nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with SCI stigma to mental health resources. That's what we're doing. We're connecting people to support groups, um, just really building a community um, and connecting the ones that are already out there. It's so hard and unnecessarily challenging for people who are newly diagnosed to find resources. Uh, And social media, effective, I think, December 20th. This will be released in 2021, but... um, it's becoming challenging to share sexual health related information and resources on social media. And the challenge there becomes getting out mental health resources that can literally save a person's life. Uh, something positive for positive people is a suicide prevention resource. While we talk about sexual health, it falls under the category of sex. And sex is a thing that social media is in turn combating. So right now your support in whatever way you can means more than anything. So if you can donate at www.spfpp.org, that is much appreciated. If you want to recommend sex educators and sexual wellness organizations that we could potentially reach out to and partner with and hopefully get uh, a collective message going like something positive for positive people can be the media outlet for sex educators as well as being a resource for people who are navigating SCI stigma. So there's a lot that we can do here as a community. It's just a matter of us stepping into uh, a good place with ourselves and our diagnosis so that we can have a voice and exercise it. Till next time, stay sex positive.